What's up, family? Welcome back to the Stop Sinking Show, where we go from struggle to flow. This episode is going to be metaphor heavy. I stand outside on my balcony every day and night and am surrounded by palm trees and a huge mango tree that my great-grandfather planted. We've had this house in our family for 40, 50 years. So this tree that my great-grandfather planted, which now provides me, intended or otherwise, his great-grandson with perfectly sour mangoes to put in my salads. And the tree has such an abundance of mangoes that they fall all around the street and all the workers from the neighboring houses pick up these fresh mangoes all day, every day, and eat them. So this mango tree gets to feed many people. Needless to say, I am surrounded by the thought and wonder for these trees. This one, this mango tree in particular. But there's a few in my near distant view that have their own stories to tell that I look at. They're not necessarily right in front of my house, but they're a little bit down the block. And while standing outside on a daily basis, I tend to draw parallels to life and these trees. And there's plenty of observations that come to mind that I probably won't even be able to think of all off the top of my head now. But all of them that I feel like I can learn from as I watch the trees go through its seasons. It goes without saying that there are probably hundreds of lessons that a person can draw from just noticing a simple facet of nature in the example of a tree. And in me being a romantic, I tend to question the limits to which we are no longer able to look to nature for its example because we as a species have surpassed or need to surpass the confines of nature itself. So there's a limit to where my romanticism needs to stop. And for our humanness to take over, for our own survival and our own advancement. What made me really want to think about this out loud and to process it with you guys is something that I read the other day that said something along the lines of, in Western culture, we believe we must be alive for a purpose. To work, to make money, to add value. You know, the fundamentals of everything I believe, probably. It goes on to say that in some indigenous cultures, they believe that we are alive just as nature is alive. To be here, to be strange, to exist, to be beautiful. We don't need to achieve anything to be valid in our humanness. Now, this is what I mean by where I believe there are limits to which we can or should apply the lessons of nature to our literal selves. Because even as a romantic who wants to draw on the metaphorical beauty of nature as a source of wisdom, I cannot help but feel resistance to the idea that we are just meant to exist and to be beautiful and to be at peace and to stand through time like a pillar. When I think of these, the philosophies 
of extreme present moment awareness for relief of the burden of past and future come to mind. So I can understand as someone who has had to rely on meditation and these practices for sanity throughout the course of my life and more so in the last year, I don't discount the value that these add, these lessons from nature, the enduring through time by being present. But I think the advancement of our human species, or better said, the experience of being human itself is not meant to be a fully Zen state. It's meant to be one intention in pursuit, in friction, in becoming, always on a journey of becoming in all senses. And there's a slight bit of tension between becoming and being. One naturally brings into its folds the pathways to the future while the other maintains itself in the now. And both are beautiful and necessary. I just don't think as humans, we get to as neatly pick just one. We cannot choose to be just at peace in lieu of progress because eventually the lack of progress will erode our peace. Our minds don't allow for us to treat each season of life as the same ones in the past. We are meant to progressively get better and become more equipped with each passing season and each passing year to be able to contribute more to our humanness than what would be expected of a tree and nature. And again, as much as the romantic I want to be, to believe that we get to have it as easy as the tree just to withstand The fact is, we can only draw on nature for inspiration, but not direction, because we are not trying to become like nature. We're not, our goal isn't to be a tree. We have the ability to move. We are trying to transcend it in every which way and harness its power within it for us to mobilize us in any direction. But we're not looking to it for direction. We're looking to it for inspiration. And then hopefully find the power of it within us so that we can mobilize ourselves in any direction. The power of nature. The force of nature within us. There's definitely much to be learned from nature. From this beautiful tree. These trees that surround me. As I stand out there and I often have several thoughts about it. How some of the lessons, the tree doesn't weep. It doesn't cry when it loses its leaves or a whole section of a palm tree completely falls off. The tree just takes the energy that would have gone into what was just shed and puts more of it into what is left. This results in the remaining foliage having an increased chance of survival and the ability to draw nutrients now into itself, into what's left. More for it now because... What was taking up some of that nutrient was the thing that was barely surviving anyway. So now more for me, the healthy one that's left. And the cycle continues as the weaker ones fall off and the remaining strength goes into the ones that are left. There is no mourning, no need to pause, no hesitation, 
Literally almost immediately, the system reallocates all resources to the remaining parts. It spends no energy on the parts that are no longer around. And most of the times, this results in the remaining parts being more dense and rich than they had ever had the chance to be before. And if you garden, you know to do this on purpose and remove the foliage from the bottom of the tree or the plant that you already know will have less of a chance to get sunlight anyway and less chance for survival anyway. So this way, you remove the lower foliage on purpose and you give the remaining plant on top chance to get more of the available nutrients that they're pulling from the ground and to spend most of its energy producing up there. You can train your plants this way for the horticulturalists listening and nodding along. I hope you can hear the metaphors in here without me having to make them obvious. This is just part of the wonder of nature that we can apply to ourselves. And believe it or not, in the training of your plants, stressing them is a big part of getting them to produce. Funny enough, I heard an example of this on a recent Dan Miller episode, which I recommend going to listen to in its entirety for this lesson to be put more eloquently. The episode is called Maybe Life is Too Easy. And in it, he talks about this concept of stressing out the tree to get it to produce fruit. With rose bushes, with fruit trees, they have to be trimmed and threatened and beaten with a bat, literally, to produce fruit. When life is too good, too safe, the soil too fertile, and expected to be, and the sunshine plentiful, the water readily available, the comfort literally stunts the growth of the fruit. Not until threatened with the beating of a hammer or a bat or the threatening of their root system does the tree or the plant respond in an effort to survive. And how does it survive? When under attack, without the conditions being too perfect, while being beaten, it produces offspring. Fruits with plenty of seeds to ensure that its lineage gets passed on. What looks to you like a healthy tree with plenty of apples to pick from is an attempt from that tree to make sure that it fertilizes and plants the land around it to pass on its tree lineage. Because it was under attack. And like the tree, we too need the discomfort and the test of the brutality of nature to threaten our survival for us to be vested in an interest and actually want to survive. So then we produce fruit. If things are too easy, we don't have enough stress to produce the fruit. We have no need to. The conditions are too optimal for optimal growth. And that's counterintuitive. And if we don't realize that, we don't even catch it. We're too busy trying to create perfect circumstances around us. But that's not what makes nature thrive. That's not what gives it a reason to survive. What makes nature durable is the windstorms and the threat to its survival, not perfect conditions and sunlight and optimal nutrition. No, the root system only grows when it has to go searching for what isn't readily available around it. If you give it too much water, 
it doesn't have a need to go searching for it. And that means it has a weaker root system. And when it has to go searching, that makes it stronger, deeper, and more likely to last through generations to feed your grandson. So neither does the tree weep its losses, and rather it becomes strong from them, and invites the challenge of nature, which only helps it become more beautiful. And to us, be in its most productive form, which is to bear fruit. And so maybe the only job of the tree is to ensure its survival. And there's so much we can learn from the excellence it brings to just doing that. But I don't think as humans our role stops there. At least that's not my true north. If all I've done is survived, provided for my four or five people in my immediate family, and not able to impact anything further, then to me I've lived a selfish existence. I do believe as humans that our imperative is to accomplish something. I don't believe we're just like nature. I do believe we're here to achieve something. I don't think it's enough for us to just exist and be beautifully strange. I think if that's all we did, then we missed the point of our shared existence in this humanity, which I truly believe we're all sent here to solve something for each other in some way. To leave behind something that eases, enhances, or facilitates something that would not have existed without your own unique twist. To me, achievement is the pinnacle of humanity. And quite honestly, pursuit is the only thing that regulates our neurotransmitters. Good luck trying to feel good without anything to have to pursue, without anything to have to go after. Even in the utmost state of being, the pinnacle of nirvana, of enlightenment, where you can maintain a presence of being instead of doing, instead of being focused on achieving and accomplishing, my belief is that pursuit never stops there either. My belief is not that pursuit ever stops there or doing ever stops there. My belief is that Enlightenment is such that the gap between wanting and having and doing and being is shrunk down to, the, to such a small degree that it's not even noticeable. And that it's not that we ever stop wanting, but in enlightenment, as soon as we want, we have. Because there's no longer the gap that we ourselves used to maintain. And when we are to accomplish and do, we easily and quickly return to a state of being because the doing is effortless and not restricted from our own blockages. Again, I don't believe enlightenment to be a place that is free from wanting because you already have or free from doing because you can always be. I don't think a permanent place there is human or healthy or, or it borderlines pointlessness of existence. No, I believe enlightenment is when we then grow to naturally want less and do less of what doesn't matter because we bear witness to the ease with which we can have and be it because of that lack of gap.
So over time, we just want less and can be more. But not because that's what we lead with, but because we see how easy it is for us to manifest that. It's not an abandonment of our humanity into nature. It's a transcendence of it beyond, even beyond what nature has the pleasure to access. The role we play in nature and what it plays for us is not meant to overlap in any way. We are designed so beautifully that we are all here with our own unique contributive purpose. We enhance each other, fill perfect gaps in the ecosystem. And as I often think about the dance we are in with nature and what it's here to teach us, and in so many ways, just living up to these teachings can take a lifetime, but in so many other ways, I see where our roles and roads diverge and how we as humans have our own responsibilities and our burdens of fruit to bear and how we must do more than just emulate the survival mechanisms of nature and instead take the reins as the master's of the universe that we are born to be. Love you, family. See you in the next show.